Welcome to the Pause Purpose Play podcast with me, Michaela Thomas, clinical psychologist, couples therapist, and founder of The Thomas Connection. I help high-striving busy people let go of the pressure of perfection to create more joy, connection, and compassion in their lives. On this podcast, we promote balance of a burnout through giving you the permission to pause, the curiosity to find your purpose, and the courage to play. Welcome back to the Pause Purpose Play podcast with me, Michaela Thomas. Now this episode, I want you to bear with me because it's actually not a new recording, it's an old recording. I recorded this episode when Pause Purpose Play wasn't even a thing. I actually had a previous name for this podcast and I'm sharing this with you because so many of you reach out to me and talk to me about imperfect action that you feel like You need to have it all figured out before you go ahead with something. That You need to have all your ducks in a row before you do something big. And actually, although you don't mention imperfect action, that's often the answer I give back to you, that you just need to get started. You need to begin somewhere and learn along the way. So actually, the previous name I had for this podcast, when I recorded this episode with Alexander Rosenthal, I actually called it Living Life Light and Dark but I got the feedback that that would be too dark and no one wants to listen to it. So I actually tuned into this, this signature system I use called Pause Purpose Play and thought, actually, that's it. That's the name. So that's why you're getting to this episode actually a long time after I recorded it. It's still really valid because this podcast is for you if you are an overachiever or high striver or you feel like you're on the brink of burnout because of all these standards you have to pursue, or the pressure you put on yourself. Maybe you're having that quite critical inner voice with yourself, telling you that's not good enough, that you don't have enough, and you don't do enough, and that maybe you've failed. This episode is helpful for you to dive deeper into the research around perfectionism. So stay tuned with me, even though I'm actually really clunky, this is my first ever chat, and... The background noise can be a little bit disruptive, but you know what? If we don't take imperfect action, if we don't begin somewhere, we're never going to get going. If you like that concept, you can also tune into an old episode called The Secret to Getting Ahead is Getting Started, which was one of the first few ones I recorded on the Pause Purpose Play podcast name. But let's go on with the show and thinking a bit more about who Alexander Rosenthal is. Alexander Rosenthal is a clinical psychologist and a researcher currently doing postdoctoral research around perfectionism and procrastination in Karolinska Institute in Stockholm. Alexander has written a great book, which unfortunately is not translated into English, but if you are a Swedish-speaking person, then you might want to look at a book called Dansa på Deadline, which means dancing on the deadline. And I think that's very apt to remember when we tune into this episode talking about the link between perfectionism and procrastination. It's really important to remember not everyone who procrastinates is a perfectionist and not everyone who's a perfectionist procrastinates. There's just a link between the two. And thinking of this concept of dancing on the deadline is really relevant for so many of us who struggle to get going until there's pressure or urgency to deliver something and then we can actually step up and get going. And in this interview, we also get to have a sense of hope understanding that perfectionism is a set of behaviours that can be treated. So there is something you can do to get change in your life if you follow very rigid rules for yourself 
and have a set of quite tricky behaviours that you have to follow. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode and introduce my guest, Alexander. Right, so after the introductions, I would like to welcome Alexander, or I should say in Swedish, shouldn't I, Alexander Rosenthal, to this podcast on procrastination and perfectionism. So I thought, why don't we start with you introducing yourself and your research a little bit so the listeners get a better idea of what you're all about. Thanks for having me. Um, I am a postdoctoral researcher at Karolinska Institutet in Sweden. And I'm also a clinical psychologist in Sweden. So I work clinically with patients, mainly with procrastination and perfectionism. And I'm also a senior honorary lecturer at the Great Ormond Street Hospital's uh, Institute of Child Health here at UCL in London. It's quite the resume. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, and tell me a little bit about the, the perfectionism studies you've been doing. Yeah, so um, I got involved in 2015, I think, because we were um, wanting to do a clinical trial on perfectionism, which mm-hmm. basically means evaluating a treatment for it in both Sweden and in the United Kingdom. And uh, I got involved because they wanted a clinical supervisor for the therapist mm-hmm. who were actually going to deliver this treatment but also as a statistician and researcher, so I could look at the outcomes of the study. Okay, and the method you've been using, you said is based around uh, Ross Schaffron's model for CBT, for perfectionism, is that right? That is correct. So uh, Ross Schaffron is a professor here at UCL as well, in translational psychology, and she's been working extensively with perfectionism, eating disorders, and obsessive compulsive disorders since about 20 years. Uh, and she developed uh, together with colleagues a, a treatment program or treatment model mm. on perfectionism that she has been evaluating here in the U- United Kingdom, but also in Australia and uh, other where. Okay. So what are your preliminary results from, from studying the, the effectiveness of this method? What so do we, you see? Yeah, so, so we tested out whether or not we could deliver this as an internet-based intervention, which ah. basically means that you you follow a treatment program uh, similar to like having a self-help book. Mm. But the difference is that you get one uh, chapter or module, as we call it, each week to mm. do, and it contains reading material and exercises, mm-hmm. and then you get feedback on what you do from a therapist. Mm. So it's basically emailing someone uh, on how things are going hmm. and then getting some, some feedback from them. Interesting. And what we saw was that um, during a 10-week uh, treatment program, levels of uh, perfectionism decreased significantly and uh, that about 40% of the patients who underwent this treatment were deemed um, clinically significantly changed. Hmm. Very promising results, very interesting. So I guess yeah. one of the things we wanted, well, I wanted to talk to you about today was procrastination and how that sits alongside of perfectionism, because I know that you've written a book on, on procrastination, mm. and obviously that's in Swedish at the moment, but feel free to mention the title of your book for the for the Swedish listeners, and they can get hold of that via um, Adlibris or something else from Sweden. So can you tell me a bit more about um, procrastination and why, why people procrastinate? Mm. What is that? So um, I became interested in procrastination about 10 years ago when I 
had a patient with these types of problems. Mm. It was a student who was struggling with her studies. Um, she just couldn't get around to do them. And I stumbled upon this uh, term, procrastination, which is not so often used in Swedish. No. Uh, and I got interested and, and read a lot of research and thought, well, um, there's a lack of um, studies on like clinical interventions for these uh, patients. Mm. So I developed a treatment program based on cognitive behavioral therapy and we turned it into a self-help book called Dansa på Deadline in Swedish, which literally means dancing on the deadline. It kind of works, yeah, this is what people who procrastinate tend to do. Exactly, doing things in the last minute. Yeah. And we tested it out in, in two different clinical trials mm. with very good results. And that actually also led me into the whole perfectionism field because there are some similarities between procrastination and perfectionism. Maybe we can expand on that then because although I see a lot of people with procrastination, sometimes they have high standards for themselves and sometimes they don't. And I see a lot of people who do have high standards for themselves and really hard on themselves, but they have no issues with procrastination. They do actually get started and finishing in in okay fashion. Can you expand a little bit on how these two terms procrastination and perfectionism kind of relates together mm. and what the differences are so procrastination basically means that you are voluntarily delaying an intended course of action despite the fact that it can have negative consequences for you mm. um, and of course not all delay is procrastination but mm. a lot of the delay that you're doing is mm. probably related to procrastination Mm. But you need to have this negative aspect to it. So it needs to lead to something that is negative for you. And that could be like financial dis- difficulties or mm. uh, your performance is decreased. Mm. Something um, that afflicts you. And it needs to be intentional. So you're basically avoiding something in front of the other. Mm. But it's not always associated with perfectionism. So a lot of people who are perfectionistic, they do mm. tend to procrastinate. Mm. But not all cases of procrastination is related to perfectionism. Mm. And what research has shown is that one aspect of perfectionism called perfectionistic concerns, that is that you are uh, very concerned over making mistakes, Mm. you doubt your your, uh, capability of of finishing stuff, and you're also concerned about what others might think of you. If you score high on on that dimension, Mm. then you are more prone to procrastinate. But then there's another aspect of of perfectionism, which is more about just having high standards for yourself. And that's Mm. not related to procrastination. So the the first one is more about that fear of failure, fear of criticism from others or rejection. That it's going to be that sense of perceived, perceived not being good enough. So then it's hard to get people to start or to finish a project because if I finish it, it could be open for scrutiny from others. Is that sort of what you mean? Yes. So the more anxious person yeah. tend to procrastinate, yeah. you might say. So like you're, you're um, uh, saying here, a person who is very anxious about the performance uh-huh. or the results of a task yeah. will probably procrastinate. Mm but not the, the person who just has high standards for him or herself. Okay. And the key word says it's voluntary as well. So the people yeah. do this on purpose. And what are the reasons then for, for doing this to yourself on purpose? Because 
again, it has a cost, it has a negative consequence. Um, you said it could be financial, it could be a, a few different things. So can we think about the so the, the impact it has on the individual and the context around that individual mm. if they procrastinate? What, what do you tend to see happens to people's lives when they postpone or delay this kind of task completion? Mm. The most obvious thing is that it affects performance, mm. although the relationship with performance is actually not that strong so the main reason why people seek help for procrastination is more related to being anxious being stressed out mm. uh, having a bad conscience about not doing the things that he or she wants to do yeah so it affects like the psychological mm. uh, aspects mm. uh, of your of your well-being mm. but then there's also negative consequences in terms of uh, relationships mm. so it might affect your interpersonal relationships uh, and it can also affect your abilities to perform the work that you're supposed to do, mm. and it can affect your like career opportunities mm. uh, and those sort of things. So, so people can still finish things, but at a, at a huge personal cost. That when they they put a lot of pressure on themselves, they dance on the deadline, so to speak. They can still deliver it, so that you wouldn't necessarily see any problems in the quality of their performance. But it would be mm. at a huge personal cost of feeling stressed, burnt out, anxious, wound up, sleeping problems, perhaps. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd say that although there are some cases where the procrastination leads to not finishing yeah. your activities, yeah. most cases do finish their activities just before deadline. Yeah. Uh, but that is also associated with a lot of costs yeah. in terms of being very, very stressed out. Yeah, yeah. So it's that sort of the, the metaphor of the duck, you know, swimming calmly on, on the surface, but underneath the water you see the duck pedaling yeah. like crazy. Yeah. Uh, so other people might get the perceived image that this person is coping because they do deliver their work, but it's a, at a huge cost. Uh, you know, they're very tired. And you said it also can impact them outside of their work, for instance, uh, relationships and... and I guess if you're always doing all-nighters and things like that the day before a deadline, that is going to have a huge personal cost, isn't it? Yeah, and and the fact that you are able to finish your task just before deadline yeah. is also what reinforces that behavior. So you're basically avoiding the most important consequences of mm. your work because you, you just finish on time, so you mm. don't see the negative consequences of handing in the task after yeah. deadline. Yeah. So that would be more punishing, do you think? That yeah. Yeah. It, that because people yeah. If if you uh, experience that and you get, I don't know, uh, like a, a bad review from your boss, you mm. would probably be less inclined to procrastinate the next time. Mm. So would you just manage to, to to wing it enough to to get get by? Yeah. And that's why the behavior doesn't change. Exactly. So how can people change their behaviors then? If there is still a huge personal cost, but not necessarily in a performance kind of way. How can people change this behavior of procrastination? Can you think of any steps to take? So the, um, the most well-known and researched uh, theoretical model of procrastination basically says that we procrastinate because of four different factors. Mm. And the first one is value. So there needs to be enough value in what you're doing in mm. order for you to be motivated to do it. Mm. And value could be uh, like uh, extrinsic things like money rewards praise that sort of things mm. but it could also be intrinsic things like I'm doing things because I really want to do it 
sort of a motivating thing. Yeah. So there needs to be a value, uh, a reward or something mm. uh, in order for you to do it. Mm. But the value is also connected to something that's called expectancy. Mm. And expectancy basically means that you expect to achieve the value that you're striving for. Mm. So if you have a, like a low self-esteem or you have prior experiences of not being able to complete a certain task mm. or you're, you're trying to do a task which is new to you and very hard, then uh, your motivation is going to decrease mm. regardless of high, how high the, the value of the task is. Mm. And, and these two aspects are uh, related to each other and something uh, a lot of economics called expected utility theories, which basically means that every decision we take in life is based on mm. value and expectancy. Mm. But these two aspects are also related to another thing in this uh, uh, theoretical model called time mm. or, or delay, which uh, I think a lot of people can relate to. Uh, the longer you have to wait for a reward, the less motivated you are going to be. Yeah, yeah, which is typically innate human behavior that we want instant gratification. Whereas when there's a delay, it's harder for us to motivate ourselves to keep going. Yes, and that timing or delay aspect is also highly associated with uh, another aspect, which mm. is the sensitivity to delay, which mm. is the personality aspects of it. Like some people are very... Um, they can work on an assignment even though the reward of that is not going to come to you until I don't know three months time mm. whilst other people are have a very hard time sitting down and working on something that is not immediately gratifying mm. it's interesting like those um, the study where they, they observe children choosing between getting one sweet straight away or waiting patiently in order to get two sweets and yes. seeing that kind of inner turmoil in children where they have to sit and wait patiently or they, they're just going to take the lesser reward because it's instant and exactly. a lot of children go for the, the instant one even if it's only one sweet so knowing that we don't tend to grow out of that our temperaments will also dictate how how able we are to delay that gratification so that yeah. puts a little bit less blame on us knowing that actually some of us will just have a hard time with working in that kind of way and it's not necessarily our faults no um, so those kind of factors, was that three or was that four? So, so that's four. So we yeah. have value, we have expectancy, yeah. we have time, yeah. and we have um, the sensitivity to, the, to delay, which yeah. you could translate into impulsivity, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, and what this model or theoretical uh, construct uh, tries to explain to us is that if you manipulate one or all of these four different variables mm. you will affect your motivation and, and hence also your ability to complete different assignments mm. Mm. so some people have a hard time completing tasks because the reward is not clear for them yeah other people have problems with the expectancy thing mm. like they're uh, trying to uh, manage uh, a task that they're not used to do and some people have problems with the timing of the reward whilst mm. some people have problems with the um, impulsivity they are constantly surrounded by things that are more immediately gratifying for instance mm, like netflix like netflix yeah. or your smartphone <laughs> or yeah. colleagues that constantly uh, wants to have your attention mm. and we'll see what's your thought on kind of apps that can help to regulate some of those those stimulations that can kind of ask for our attention i mean there's apps out there that will block our phone on a timer so help us work smarter you know you can 
things you can do to regulate the kind of the context you're working in. Have you got any research on how effective that kind of thing is? Uh, there are not that many studies on the relationship between these types of devices or applications and, and procrastination. But I'd say that my clinical experience is that it works pretty well. Mm. Because basically what you're doing is getting rid of all the all of the distractions. Yeah. And the distractions are things that are probably more immediately gratifying. Yeah. So it will help you with the impulsivity factor in this, uh, this model that I told you about. Mm. Mm. So everything goes in terms of of uh, using these types of application mm. and the same thing also goes for sitting in a context working in a context where you're not distracted by things mm. so mm. if you have a hard time doing your studies at home mm. well maybe you should sit in a library instead yeah which is what i tended to do for most of my studies where yeah. there was no there was no internet there was no nothing they were literally just sitting down to get your work done and i think i guess both of us being behavioral psychologists, we're looking at people's behavior in an analysis. You know, what are mm. people doing too much of? You know, what are they not doing enough of? And how can we work with the um, the things that are problematic and giving them the most kind of negative consequences and changing that behavior to get them closer towards more positive consequences or rewards? Mm. So, what's going to be reinforcing? And can you? Can you think of anything that, you know, obviously we talked about smartphone applications that can block some of that instant gratification, but can you think of any other concrete things that people can do, sort of steps they can take to work with procrastination? Mm. Goal setting is probably key. Mm. So usually we rely on long-term goals, mm. which is uh, problematic from, from the perspective of, of um, always trying to reach rewards that are pretty distant from us. Yeah. So we need to try to get those rewards closer to ourselves in time, mm. which is why we should always use sub-goals. Mm. So if you're uh, always striving for, um, I don't know, like a project that's not going to be done until three months' time, how about trying to divide that big project into smaller parts? Mm. And maybe those parts could be what you're supposed to do during a one week or one day, whatever works for mm. you. Mm. But always try to find smaller sub-goals that mm. you can tick off your list mm. and which helps you uh, work towards your long-term goal. Mm. That becomes less overwhelming and it's more manageable in smaller chunks. Yes, yeah. and you can even um, divide these sub-goals into very, very small pieces, mm. like what you're supposed to do during 30 minutes. Mm. And these are sometimes referred to as uh, mini goals mm. or the least amount of effort that you're mm. willing to do today mm. so instead of seeing all of these books in front of you and thinking okay i need to sit down for four hours to study this mm. why not start out with just sitting down for 30 minutes setting an alarm and then mm. see after those 30 minutes am i willing to continue Mm-hmm. So that, kind of getting in, easing your way into it. Yeah. Um, I often use that for people who are quite depressed and not motivated. Like, you know, setting a timer of five minutes of doing the dishes, and if you feel to, you want to walk away after the five minutes, at least you've chipped away a little bit at the mountain of dishes. If you feel that you're kind of you've started getting into the motivation, because obviously being in movement, being in motion feeds being in further motion mm. then you can carry on but I guess that's quite nice knowing that you can give yourself the permission to just do half an hour and then take a break 
often people have then got started and they can carry on. Yeah. So it's a really nice way of doing sort of time boxing of doing small, uh, measurable, meaningful pieces that take you in the, in the line of a bigger goal. Exactly. And knowing that you, you know, you have a doctorate, so that means you've done a PhD. Have mm. you ever procrastinated? Well, um, not in terms of my work, but yeah. I think I'm also very conscientious of me. Mm. So, so uh, I'm pretty good at structuring my work and planning ahead and stuff. Mm. But there are definitely aspects uh, in my private life where mm. I, I do procrastinate. Mm. Like I still haven't got a uh, driver's license, which okay. is one yeah. thing that I have procrastinated several times. Yeah. Uh, and also things at home that I should take care of, yeah. uh, like renovation things, yeah. uh, housework. Mm. Um, I tend to postpone those things because yeah, I don't really see the reward in it and also mm. uh, it's all, all, always up to me to set the, the timing of, mm. of, of the reward or the deadlines, yeah. which makes it easy for me to postpone it. Yeah, of course, because there's not going to be any cost if you no. put, it, put it off. And I guess that's the nice thing when we say, I'm just postponing it. We, we're just still saying to ourselves, I am going to do that, but at a later date. Yeah. And that can make it really hard to make it measurable as well. Mm. You know, maybe giving ourselves a deadline to say, okay, well, I'm going to park this for six months. By by, by the autumn, I'm going to I'm going to look at it again. But we tend to not do, you know, yeah. we just get caught up in other things. So it's quite nice to hear that even leading researchers in the field of procrastination and perfectionism, we're still human, we still have the same tricky brains as, as the people we serve, the people who we see for sessions. We just, we've just got a few more tools up our sleeves mm. that helps us work with what we've got uh, rather than that these things don't enter our minds. So it's quite nice to hear that uh, you also do procrastinate about things, it just might be in different domains. Mm. Like people who come to us, there might be that they're able to manage their household but they procrastinate at work or vice versa. Yeah. So different domains that they can have this putting off behavior. Definitely. And I, and I can relate to that in terms of perfectionism as well. Like yeah. me being a bit compulsive sometimes in terms of how I write my research papers, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. But then you might have a messy sock drawer. You like we never know what exactly. yeah, there might be other <laughs> other areas that um, that might be less to a high standard that yeah. we can let go of. That it might not be global across the across the scale. So I'm just kind of thinking, finishing off because I work a lot with perfectionism in couples as well. What have you seen from your clinical experience, or from developing these these methods, or from the research? How does this affect couples? You know, either if from the partner who's experiencing issues with perfectionism or for the receiving partner who's together with someone who's a perfectionist? What, what have you seen there? So one uh, aspect of it is the receiving end of it. Like mm. if you are a perfectionist and you're mm. together with someone who isn't, yeah. that person is probably going to be a bit frustrated mm. about your like behaviors mm. because you might tend to want to have things in a certain way overly organized always have to take care of stuff at the home whilst the other partner doesn't want to mm. and that can be a strain on the relationship mm. uh, and something that um, I'd say um, the two partners need to talk about mm. to find a, a standard that's okay for both of them mm. so it's a compromise yes yeah, yeah definitely mm. and the other aspect of it is, is uh, when a perfectionist also uh, have these high standards for others mm. not, not all perfectionists do that yeah. or have that but but some do and that can be extremely 
problematic in interpersonal relationships mm. because it means that um, I have high standards for myself, but I also expect others to achieve mm. high standards. Mm. And the saddest thing that I see there is the sense of loneliness, the you know the isolation that can come from feeling that other people can't live up to my standards and they let me down, or having a sort of subjective feeling that other people uh, are going to just disappoint me, so I'm better off on my own. Other mm. people might feel very, very isolated, or they might constantly feel disappointed with other people, which can actually be quite a sad place to sit in. Yeah, definitely, and, yeah. It, and it can also turn into a paradox because a lot of these perfectionists then believe that okay in order for me to be loved by others I, mm. I also need to higher my standards or, or raise them yeah uh, which just drives more perfectionism mm. which in turn uh, leaves the person even more isolated maybe yeah yeah that you know i, I can never be good enough for someone yeah. to love me so the sense of you know quite deep existential things here that we're finishing off with with things like feeling worthless or not good enough mm. but i guess if we wrap things up into just the one thing that you could leave people who are listening with what's the one takeaway message either about perfectionism or procrastination or, or both what would you want people to know that they might not know I think there's a general conception of both procrastination and perfectionism as being sort of a trait like feature that mm. it's something to do with your personality yeah and I would like to emphasize the fact that research shows that it's more of a behavioral pattern mm which also means that you can change it mm. it might not be easy mm. and it might be uh, a behavioral pattern that you've been having since childhood mm. but it is possible to do things differently mm. which is a positive message i think both mm. for procrastinators and perfectionists out there yeah and for their families who, who live with them yeah. so we're ending on a point of, of hope i suppose that there are things people can do to change their behavior, so have to have less pressure on themselves than other people, so they can actually perform better and find more purpose and meaning in their lives and mm. live a kind of more filling life, rather than one that's full of uh, filled of stress and anxiety and and burnout. So mm. there's a kind of point of hope there. So it's not it's not your fault. These are patterns that may have been laid down very early on in childhood, but there is something you can do about it. You can still be accountable for changing these things. Yeah, that's really really positive note to finish on. Thank you very much for coming and for chatting. And do you want to mention the name of your book again for any Swedes listening? Yeah. Uh, so it's Dansa på Deadline. Nice. In Swedish. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for coming. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the end of this interview. And again, I kind of apologize for the sound. And it's one of those things you I kind of have to say sorry, not sorry. Because although, yes, it's not the ideal audio quality, Actually making myself release this now is really helpful in showing you that it's okay to take imperfect action. It's okay to get to that point of actually better late than never. If you always put things off thinking it's not going to be perfect, you might lose out on value. You might lose out on moving forwards with your life in a way that's going to be meaningful for you. And I actually regret sitting on this episode for so long because we had a great chat and it was a great honour to be able to, to catch Alexander when he was over for a brief visit from Sweden to work on his research collaborations in London. So don't do what I did here. Don't sit on things. Don't procrastinate for that long. And be kind to yourself if you notice the urge to do so. There's probably a reason. For me, it was probably the fear that this wouldn't be good enough, that it would be, you know, clunky. I didn't have the right name for this. The audio recording quality wasn't great. And I didn't know how to do an interview. 
And now I've practiced, I've done quite a number of interviews with guests now and I'm finding my flow with it. But if I hadn't started, I wouldn't have gone anywhere. If you don't practice, you're not going to make progress. So don't take my word for it, try it for yourself. And until next time, do take care of yourself. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I know it's not easy when you feel busy and overwhelmed to find time for another thing to do. If this is you, if you feel overwhelmed or that you are close to your breaking point, then I've got a downloadable checklist for you that's going to help. This checklist is called Calm the Overwhelm. The first section has signs and symptoms of you being overwhelmed mentally or physically showing you that you might be close to breaking point or burning out. The second part is actionable, easy things you can do to try to slow down and give yourself a break. And the third part is a checklist of all the things that might show up when you're asking yourself to take a break. Perhaps your inner critical voice will have an opinion about why you're not allowed to give yourself the permission to pause. To download this free resource, go to www thethomasconnection.co.uk forward slash calm so that's thethomasconnection.co.uk forward slash calm this episode of the pause purpose play podcast was presented by me Michaela Thomas and you can find me on thethomasconnection.co.uk And because great work rests on having a great team, this episode was kindly edited by Emily Crosby Media.